I have partaken around this tray uh, for over 30 years. I did the math and probably something like 1,590 times that I have partaken of something that we call the Lord's Supper. Uh, It wasn't always this tray, specifically. But I remember the very first times that the Sunday after I was baptized and they brought the, it was a wooden tray, and they gave it to me and I kind of awkwardly fumbled. They had a, a full piece of unleavened bread and you broke your piece and passed it down. And I had seen my grandmother do that, and my great aunt do that, my great uncle do that so many times, and I had heard countless talks around a table, but, but I remember very clearly, for whatever reason, that particular Sunday morning, the very first time, I partook of something so deeply meaningful and powerful within the church. And sometimes I think, having done it over 1,590 times, I know there have been times when I have missed the meaning of the meal. When I have allowed my mind and my heart to be everywhere else except here, around the body, and later the, the blood of Christ, the symbols, the emblems, the representation of what the church is all about. Since that first Sunday, when I became a part of a, of a holy family, an ongoing legacy, if you will, of a spiritual nature, I have partaken many times. Now, many times in a room like this, but, but I have partaken, there have been times when I partook with thousands upon thousands of teenagers at an event called Winterfest. And there were so many people, they had to have stations all around the room that people could go in sections just to partake of that holy meal. And it was quite an experience. And I've been, I've been just one of ten people or so in this room last year where we partook of this in a time when the church was so disconnected. It was this that brought us together. And even when we were in the same space, we were in the same spirit. And I, I remember... Again, the power and the beauty of such a meal. I've partaken with my own family, all, just all of us on the couch as we were watching live stream. I've partaken with many families all together. And so this morning is going to be a little different because the sermon is not what we're leading up to. The focus this morning is going to be on the emblems and the meaning of the meal. 
and, and, and why that matters so much. You see, for, for decades I've seen churches with tables like this, but etched on the front, those famous well-known words, this do in remembrance. This do in remembrance is a very different thing than remembering to do. Something that the, the, the church does every week. And so, I want to focus briefly on the meaning of that meal and why it's important as we continue the series of a good church. We said that the church is bigger than a building. There's, there's more to it than the place. It's the people. It's the eternal it's the spiritual. If you talked, if you were in Ephesians 5, you, you got a picture of the bride of Christ. And sometimes, especially in the church, we take that for granted. I hope after the past year and a half that we have had, that we will no longer do so. Acts 2 is the first picture of that church, and if you have been following, you should know by now, Acts chapter 2 Verse 42 is sort of our theme verse, if you will, for the whole series. But let me read it again. If you're following along, page 1,168. I know, you can, I know you can see the slide. But I would encourage you to open your Bible. And to open your heart. And read it for yourself, these words again. And not take them for granted. Verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And we've said a good church is devoted to lots of things. we said it's devoted to the word. we said it's devoted to the fellowship. This morning we're talking about their devotion to the breaking of bread. Those who partake every Sunday are in danger of treating a holy memorial meal with greater reverence. And I don't mean irreverence in the sense that we toss over tables and, 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 and are careless with the elements. No, that's not what I mean. I mean in the attitude of our hearts, we can make it common, task-oriented, checklist, just get me to the Lord's Supper. And so, for this Sunday, I I ask that we not have the order on the handout. Because I, I want to challenge us as we gather together as the church to focus, much in a very similar way as as we can try, as the first century Christians might have. Yeah, they didn't have PowerPoint slides, they didn't have fancy clickers, they didn't have tables or pews or projectors. But the spirit of what they did is something that we have in common. You see, this is no ordinary meal. This is a partaking of the symbolic body as the spiritual body. So if you think of it, it's one body 
partaking of one body to remember one body. And as we do that, we should understand that the first century church, they're, 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 what we would call the Lord's Supper was a lot different. It looked a lot different than what we do today. They had a whole meal surrounding it. They called it a love feast. And they would partake of, of the elements and remember, but they had a whole meal. That, well, the first century church, they got in trouble too. Paul chastises them a little bit in 1 Corinthians 11, and he says, you're not paying attention. This is no ordinary meal. This is something different. This is something that is special. Oh, you have homes to eat and drink in. You, You have meals every day, but this meal is different from every other meal. So we need to to give special reverence. There's nothing wrong with the love feast. We don't do it today because it's not super practical in our setting. No, we have potlucks and things like that. But even in the middle of theirs that was a little bit different, they forgot. They forgot why. They forgot the meaning. Let's go back 1988 years and I'll ask you to join me as we trek back there. The first thing that we see is that it was started by the Messiah. Jesus transformed. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 26. It's in the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but but we're going to focus on Matthew's. He took this, this feast that the Jews were familiar with, that they had partaken of uh, for several centuries together. Now, theirs wasn't a weekly feast, it was an annual feast. But it was still a meaning applied to the meal. I want you to think of these these Jewish men who are gathered in this room, are partaking of a meal that they may have partaken of every year their whole lives, and as Jesus partakes with them, he does something very special. We're in Matthew 26, we're going to be in uh, verse 26, and following. Page 1068, if you care to follow along. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, now you know what Jesus did there caused a, a pause around the table. A glancing around from side to side, like, what is he talking about? You ever have that moment? I know you probably don't, but some people do, where the preacher says something and you're not fully tracking with what the preacher's saying. Not, not everybody. I mean, not you, certainly. You always track. But, but they're in that moment around a table as part of a meal that they had partaken of forever, that was part of their culture, their lineage, their, their, their way of life. He was taking something that had been so common and he was taking it to another 
level in saying, as you partake of this bread, you're remembering my body. And as you partake of this cup, you're remembering my blood. Do they even know? Could they even fathom what that was all about? Well, you see, they had to think more deeply, and so do we. You see, Jesus, Jesus gathering around the table was transforming this Passover into something different. Now, the Passover we read about in Exodus chapter 12. If you want to do your own homework, turn to Exodus chapter 12, and you can read about the establishment of the Passover and the meaning of it and why it happened. They had been partaking of that since roughly 1400 B.C., so 14 centuries, give or take. This meaning of what we call the Passover, what they called the Pesach meal. And it was to remind them something that they had never experienced themselves. It was to remind them of a day when they were in bondage and slavery and under another master. And God, through the series of signs, would eventually free them from that master. But how he did it was so poignant in in, in that the very last plague... He would call his people to sacrifice a Passover lamb. To, to, to eat a meal of roasted herbs and, and to take the blood from the sacrificed lamb and put it on the doorpost, the top and the side of the meal. And they weren't to just do it that night, they were to celebrate that through generations. To talk to one another of what God had done. And to remind them of what God is doing. And to remind them again of what God will do. And so gathered for this moment, they, they celebrate, they remember with a meal. A meal comm- commemorating when God had delivered them from slavery and death by the blood of a lamb. I was thinking about the idea of a meal. Why why did God set up a meal that would that would last for 1400 years and then God transformed the meaning of that meal into something we celebrate every week. What's the purpose in that? As you know not not every church partakes of the the supper, the meal every Sunday, every Lord's day. Well, I don't really have a, a good answer from a, <laughs> a book, chapter, verse point of view. But I was thinking about how people learn. How people remember things. Uh, experts have studied, and I'm certainly no expert, but, but experts have studied how people learn. People learn in vastly different ways. So some people learn best when they're listening to the speaker speak and they'll 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 listen to the podcast and they'll they'll get it that way. And some of you are doing that right now. And some of some of you are are visual learners. You need to see something. You need to you need to you need to look at something. You need to have something. Some of you are kinesthetic learners. You need things in your hands to to grasp it. Some of you are social learners. You learn best when you're in a group discussion like sometimes we do on Wednesday nights. Some of you are logical learners. You, you like to, if A, then B, you, you watch the, the logical flow of things. Some of you have to talk it out. 
Now, in thinking of all the different ways in pe- which people learn, think about this. In a meal, all of those things come together. We're learning by reading. We're learning by listening. We're learning by partaking. We're learning by social gathering. We're learning by having something in our hands that represents something deeper. That I, 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 maybe it's just God's understanding how his children learn best, but, but there was a meal set up so that they wouldn't forget. And as they remembered, they would be reminded of what God did, what God's doing, and what God will do. The, the, the Lord's Supper incorporates each, each of these, if you think about I don't know if you have uh, one of these cups, but I want you to think about it for just a second. As we, in the new covenant, partaking of a, of, a, of a new meal, are called to learn something. And maybe God's trying to speak to your mind and your heart, and I know He's trying to reach your soul. As you partake of the bread, does the bread remind you of the manna from heaven? Some of the, the bread, not these particular, but they used to have matzah. And the matzah was had full of little tiny holes. And the Jewish people said that the matzah, that the holes in the matzah was to remind them of, of the, the ways in which their pe- pe- skin was pierced as they were whipped and beaten in the years of slavery to remind of the bondage that they had been delivered from. The matzah has different colorings to it, and so there was parts that kind of looked like bruises. They were blackish and brownish, and to remind them of the severity of the slavery that they had come out of. As you, as you put the bread in your, your mouth, and it crosses over your tongue and then your teeth, and, and you crunch it just a little bit, so that you can swallow, does it remind you that his body was crushed? He was crushed for our iniquities, the book of Isaiah said. He was broken for us. As you sip of the fruit of the vine, do you recall this vine is made from, this, this, this juice is made from crushed grapes? Do you remember that he was crushed for you? As you see the color of it, that crimson red, do you, are you reminded of, of the crimson red that was spilled for you? As you put it into your mouth, you know that sometimes it's bitter, sometimes it's sweet, sometimes it's a little of both. Does it remind you of the bitterness of your own sin, the sweetness and goodness of God's grace? You see, this is, this is no ordinary meal. This is a holy act. It's, it's part of the holy assembly. Turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 verse 7 is a, just kind of a verse you, you comes away in passing, but it's, it's really important. In the middle of missionary journey and describing, Luke writes this way. This is 1,192. Luke writes, On the first day, on the first day of the week, when, not if, when, We gathered together to break bread. 
Despite all that they were going through, they were going to meet with the church as they had always done on the first day of the week. And part and, and huge part of that meeting was this spiritual meal. And I doubt it was around a table, and I'm sure they didn't have little convenient disposable cups. But there was power and meaning in that meal as they gather to break bread. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, this is the scripture I referred to earlier, it's page 1,228. Look at what he says to the Christians. He says, this is uh, verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, For what I received from the Lord, I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance. In the same way, after he also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant. No longer were sacrifices required. Week after week, month after month, year after year. There was one sacrifice under a new covenant. Which we are in in Christ. Do this as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. A really good question to ask when you're considering a good church is to ask, do they value breaking bread together every first day of the week? Not every church does that. Some don't do it at all. Some do it once a year on very special occasions. Some do it once a quarter as the pastor deems necessary. As an obligation. But the picture we see in scripture of the Lord's church. Is doing it every first day of the week. Why? Because of what Paul says in the last verse of 1 Corinthians 11. uh, In the section that we read verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread. And drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death. You proclaim The Lord's death until he comes. I've taken this probably 1,500 times. That's nothing in the history of the church. Since Jesus left, the church has been partaking of this over 104,000 times. And if you think about it, we may just have one more time until Jesus returns. Or we may have 104 million more times until Jesus returns. But this is not only a holy act, it is a timeless act. I remember partaking for so long, my grandmother and great aunt, had brought me to church. My great uncle passed away first. He graduated to heaven. Some years later, my great aunt 
she graduated and she went to heaven. And then, in time, my grandmother graduated. You follow me, guys. And I remember, I remember that Lord's Supper after they had gone on. And I remember this. And I was sitting in the pew. And the tray was handed to me. And it dawned on me. That I couldn't partake with them who led me here anymore. That they had gone on. That I would continue in this holy meal. That looked way ahead to a grand feast. To a wedding banquet. Where they would be where I longed to be. You see, this meal is more than a meal. It is timeless. It's transformational. It connects the church of today with the church of yesterday and the church of tomorrow. There's two dangers. There's two dangers as we partake. One is neglecting to remember at all. And so we make sure we do it every Sunday, and that's important. The danger really, for most of us, is this, it is forgetting what we remember. Forgetting why we remember. And so, if you have a communion cup, I want you to to get it out. I want you to look at it. We're going to focus the rest of worship on this time. I want you to see that it kind of looks like an hourglass. I want you to be reminded that this is timeless. I want you to think of the first time you partook, that you came to the table by the blood of Jesus. I want you to think of the people that you've shared it with, the body. I want you to think how timeless it is. You see, not every church does something like this matter. Many churches consider it inconvenient. We can't get on to the, the big show, the, the rock star and the fog machines and the, the celebrity pastors. But the simple New Testament church does something beautiful. That we remember that we're connected to something timeless and eternal. And that church of this new covenant that we see in Acts and continuing throughout, they thought it was important. They thought it mattered. Persecutions didn't matter. They were going to partake. Challenges, trials, imprisonments, persecutions didn't matter. They were going to partake. And so, teenagers, as you have, as you grow, you're going to have the opportunity to choose where you go to church. Someday your parents won't have that decision. And I hope you ask yourself when it come, that choice comes to you does this church partake? Of the Lord's Supper? Because that's important. Are they dedicated to the breaking of bread? Because that's important. 
Are they dedicated to doing that every first day of the week? Because that, that matters to connect us to the timeless, eternal body of Christ. It was just over a year ago, I remember it clearly, because it was not in here. It was in the parking lot. I had just preached a sermon, and that particular day the subject was on sin, and so I used a visual with food coloring to display the permanency of sin, and I got some on my finger. I didn't really think anything about it, and then I went and sat down with my family, and I pulled out the cup as we're about ready to do, and God gave me an epiphany. There it was, the permanent stain on my hand, unchangeable, unfixable, perpetual. It remained hours later throughout that day, and it reminded me that each of us comes to the table with stains, some great, some small, all permanent. All of us permanently stained by sin. All of us permanently blemished. Even preachers. Be a fairly bleak picture if not for the second part of the epiphany. The cup. The blood. Representing the blood of the Lamb. Perfect. Sinless. Atonement. A full, final payment of all debts that bankrupted us all. A total and complete cleansing for the spiritual lepers. And so may we remember every time we partake, there is no sin so great, no stain so permanent, that it cannot be remedied and washed by the blood, the precious blood of the Lamb. You see, this is the message of the church. What we do every week, may we never take it for granted. This is the hope of the gospel. That the stained can be cleansed. That the blemished can be made whole. And that those in despair may have hope again. This morning, there will not be an invitation you have a spiritual need, you can come and find me and I'll help you find one of our shepherds and we'll get those needs taken care of. But for the remaining time, I'm going to call us to focus on the Lord's Supper and to remember the meaning of God's holy meal. Let's gather together.